Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Welcome to week two of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This is Catherine, and I'm here with Christy. Hello, everybody. And we are so excited to be recording our second week. We had such a great response from our first episode with Allison Tetrick, and she was a fantastic first guest for us to have. I think so, too. She was really good. So, uh, Christy... Tell me what you've been up to, because I promised I would not text you or call you with any of my one million ideas for a week because you had a lot going on. So what's been going on? Um, yes. I'm, thank you for asking, Catherine. Um, it was a crazy week when Dirty Kanza ended up um, canceling our spring camps. We launched into a plan to host uh, virtual spring camps. So we had basically nine days to turn around um, uh, to build the platform and portal in addition to gathering content um, for campers. And we just finished that up on Sunday evening. It was insane. It was crazy. Um, I don't know if I would use the word fun um, from the back end. It was very much, it was a lot of work, um, a lot of screen time when you're used to being on the bike. The feedback was great and um, the content still lives on. So it was, it was really powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. You said, uh, so I know I, purchased a pass to it. It was only 10 bucks. And I was able to watch some over the weekend. I was actually redoing the Girls Con Gravel website. Uh, so I was pretty busy over the weekend. But you said you can still go back and watch it, right? Yep, you can. And we were excited to see how many people, um, the women in particular, um, the type of feedback we were getting from women. We had a high participation of the of females out there. And I think that speaks highly to uh, to what we're trying to do to get women on bikes. That's awesome. 
Well, I've been biking around Atlanta a little bit. It's not quite the same as heading out to my my gravel routes, but yeah. it's it's been a lot. It's been actually really cool because I mean Atlanta's a major city, and there's nobody on the roads. Like I haven't felt this safe cycling here in ten years, and. <laughs> So I'm seeing things in town that I've never seen before, but it's also nice having my gravel bike because uh, the, the potholes are really bad. Oh my goodness. So it's, it's a little bit like being out and riding gravel, riding around the streets of Atlanta. <laughs> it's testing your skill sets there. So. It is. It is. Have you been able to get out and ride any? Um, I, you know, honestly, putting on the virtual camp, we, we I was pretty much stuck inside for about five days, but um, I've been out the last few days and it's, it's great here right now in the Flint Hills, the, the burning, which, uh, I know some people don't like, but, um, because of the air pollution and air quality that happens, how it downgrades it. But it's one of my favorite times of the year to ride because I love seeing the fire on the prairie. I love seeing the black fields. The sunsets are amazing. Um, and the weather's finally starting to try to hold, although I think we're supposed to get snow this weekend again. So I don't know. It's Kansas, very temperamental. There are two things that you need to tell me about. One is, what is this burning thing? <laughs> and, and two, you're getting snow? <laughs> yeah, right? It's Kansas. Like, people are asking already, like, what's the weather going to be like for Dirty Kansas in September? I'm like, it's Kansas. Like, there's no way to predict. But, um, no, every spring, uh, a lot of people practice um, burning the prairie back, set intentional fires, um, to burn off the old, the old growth and it establishes the new growth or helps establish the new growth. So it's really beautiful when you see it happen, you'll see these complete ranges in color of on the fields where they'll be black right after burn. And then it's also when you can really see the Flint rock in the prairie and it's, it's just really, it's striking. And then it goes bright green as that coming up through the black. Um, and the in-between is that when they haven't burned yet, it's still brown. So you'll have this, you'll have these scenes when you're rolling on your bike where you'll have complete brown on one side, complete black on the other, bright green in the distance and the gravel road kind of leading you between all of it. And it's just, it's, it's really a beautiful time of year to be on your bike out in the Flint Hills. So wow. that's that what it sounds amazing. And so we had drizzle, snow, freezing rain on Saturday, and then it was 80 degrees. <laughs> yesterday so you can't you can't figure it out oh my gosh uh we are definitely mostly in the 70s and 80s here in atlanta i mean we'll have some days where we'll go back down into the 60s but this is we think it maybe another coldish weekend at some point but we are pretty much like blazing towards summer here in the southeast so um i'm just i'm waiting for the humidity to set in so That's the next thing for sure. Yeah. Well, we have an interview today that I'm really excited about. Um, I have been following uh, Laura King, who is our interviewee. Uh, I first started following her because I was watching her husband Ted King's videos on the road to Kansas last year. He had these really great videos, and she started popping up, and I was like. Huh, I think that he is married to a real badass. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I started following her and seeing some things about her. And um, she really is. She has been, um, well, she came from my 
first love, which is triathlon. And she actually qualified for her pro card in triathlon and decided not to do that. Uh, did a lot of um, high level cycling, even went to the uh, cycling talent ID camp in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. Um, but decided that uh, she wanted to go her career path instead. Um, but she has done things like uh, get seventh at the Leadville 100, um, you know, ridden um, the Malt Route in the Pyrenees and gotten first place, uh, third place at Rebecca's Private Idaho. So she's done lots of high-level things. But you know her from the Women Ride the World initiative, right? Well, I met her, obviously, through, through cycling when she worked at Goo is I think when I first met but met Laura, um, and then just through that brought her to help along with um, women the Women Ride the World initiative. She sits on our board um, of advisors and obviously brings a ton of insight from um, women in the field in a professional capacity. And Laura's um, participated and been a, a leader at some of the DK forums too. So she's she's got a wealth of background of knowledge and cycling, and obviously comes at this. Um, from a very high level um, on both sides, both on the bike and off the bike. And I think uh, added, you know, the newest thing she's added to her resume is Hazel Grace King. So a baby that's like just over a month old. And and that's kind of what Laura joins us to talk about. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation because I think even if you aren't a parent or you're not thinking about being a parent anytime soon, one of the things she talks about is uh, fear of losing her identity, which I actually think a lot of us can identify with right now um is like right. a lot of the things that we identified with are kind of gone and we're struggling through that and so i think this conversation is relevant to every woman that's kind of figuring out what in the heck is going on with life right now or if you're transitioning to motherhood or any of those things so um we'll go ahead and go right to our conversation with laura king laura welcome to the podcast Thank you. I'm honored to be a guest on here. Uh, so we are talking about women and women that are chasing big adventures. And you have recently had a very big adventure. So why don't you tell us about what's been going on in your life in the last three or four weeks? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> let's see. It's been just shy of three weeks ago. Um, my husband, Ted, and I had our first baby, a baby girl named Hazel Grace King. Um, she came into the world a little early, which is what I was hoping for. So uh, I appreciated that. Uh, and yeah, she came into this world just a few days before our world really kind of started changing and things getting a little crazy. So it's been an interesting time. I was just, my mom sent me a baby book to fill out for her and, and um, I was just printing out an article that was like detailing, you know, the crazy events that have transpired in just one week and thinking how that will be really interesting someday for her to go back and read what was going on in the world when, uh, when she came into it. <laughs> yeah. So you went through the whole process before hospitals were freaking out or anything was shutting down. That's correct. Yeah, it was really becoming it, it yeah coronavirus was starting to be on the radar but um it really wasn't until we left the hospital that things started to become really serious or to it, it became apparent to us that it was becoming a lot more serious so yeah that's such good timing 
Good job, Hazel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And it's, uh, it's, it's only getting more challenging. I just saw a headline the other day about hospitals potentially not letting um, birth partners into yeah. labor and delivery rooms. And I have friends that are expecting soon and really concerned about having the prospect of having to give birth on their own, which just, I can't imagine for me, my experience so was so heavily impacted by the people in the room, um, much like coaches. They just, they were so, the nurses and I had a doula as well. They were so encouraging and motivating and, you know, every minute that you feel like you're in such intense pain, you need I, I, it, I came to realize how much you really need that support. And so I just can't imagine going through it without that. Yeah, it's definitely a crazy time. And I have a friend who is pregnant and she, you know, is in June. And so we still, you know, we don't know what's going to happen then. But she actually had a question for you because she knows that you are a longtime cyclist. Oh, and uh, that you've trained all throughout your pregnancy and wanted to know, like, uh, what, what was it like? Did you get pushback from medical professionals? What led you to that decision? How did you process things? Like, give us the whole scoop on that. Because I know a lot of women are like, can I or can't I ride my bike when I'm pregnant? Is it safe or is it not safe? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, I rode my bike over 4,300 miles during my pregnancy and was able to resume riding six days postpartum. And when I tell that story, I am trying really, really hard to, to emphasize that that's my experience and my story. But really what I think it is more reflective of is how much, how important I think it is to hold on to your identity during pregnancy and motherhood and how fearful I was of losing that. And now having gone through the whole experience, um, I guess I just, I'm a really big proponent of others who were in my situation being fearful of what they might lose or, um, you know, how you hear a lot of, there was a recent New York Times article, uh, an opinion article about how the internet often can scare people into, because of, into scare people with pregnancy and motherhood because you hear a lot of like the, you often hear the negative. Um, and so in telling my story about what I was able to do, it's more a story of, hey, I want you to hear the positive, my positive experience, because it was actually so empowering to, to be pregnant and realize um, all that my body was capable of and what it was able to do. I mean, it surprised me. Like I, you know, I, I, I took each day and each week um, and, and really I didn't have a plan in mind that I was going to ride my whole pregnancy or that I was going to enter races or that I was going to, um, you know, attempt certain feats, but every day I'd be surprised at what I was able to do. I'd enter one event or one, you know, go ride my bike a certain distance and be surprised that I felt so good. And so I just, I took it day by day in that way and was surprised as I, rode two and a half hours the day before I gave birth. So, um, 
And because of all that, um, I mean, pregnancy is a challenging time when your hormones are all over the place. Um, you're going through so many shifts and changes and wondering what your identity is going to look like in the future. And for me, cycling was an outlet to maintain some normalcy to gather with my community as I, the something that's so important to me to continue to, to be able to do and not to feel isolated. And I felt like it helped kind of, um, just keep my emotional health, um, moderated, like, you know, it kind of helps helped me to smooth out the highs and lows and any time that I was having a hard time, um, maybe coping with a new symptom of what, you know, not feeling well or thinking about worrying about the future. A bike ride was often my cure. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's, I just, I guess I, my, what I really hope to encourage other women is, you know, maybe it's not riding and maybe you're, for me, after 19 years of riding, I, it was something I felt um, very confident in my skill level. And um, I really, deep down in my gut, felt as though it was something that I felt was not risky enough to um, to stop doing. But that said, like, you know, I'm not, I wasn't out there downhill alpine skiing because my skill level, my my confidence and my skill level in that sport was not as high. So I think it's so individual and, um, you have to really, when you're making the decision of what you feel good about, um, I think I always say there's no one that cares more about the health of the baby than the mother. So, um, yes, in terms of like pushback, every time I went to my doctor appointment, they asked me if I was still riding outside and I, it, it became kind of a joke because I felt like no one ever wrote down in my, I saw a different doctor every time because it was a, uh, I go to a clinic with about eight female physicians and you, you cycle through each one of them. Um, and it was like, no one wrote down in my chart, like, okay, you can stop asking her. She's get She's going to keep responding, giving you the same response. And so with each doctor, I had to explain my rationale and tell them, you know, there's so the decision to ride is so nuanced. It's not a blanket recommend. It can't be a blanket recommendation because there's so much that goes into it. What kind of bike are you riding? How stable are you? How long have you been riding? What is your skill level like? Where are you riding? Are the roads safe? Um, are you riding on, you know, maybe non traffic you know, very low trafficked roads or, um, so there is a lot that went into it. And I think a lot to be considered in the decision, but, um, at the end of the day, it was one, it was a decision that I, that I could have sit well with, with me and, um, that I still felt confident in. So you, when you're talking about that, Laura, it's interesting. Like, did your, did your doula know you were writing as much too and continuing with the exercise? Um, she did. Yes. Um, I sent her my, my articles that I wrote and she also happened to be a fitness instructor. And, um, so I think that she maybe understood a little bit more than, um, than some others, how I, how I run. (laughs) (laughs) The sanity that you needed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Obviously, Ted supported it. He did. There were, I mean, there were a few times where he'd, he'd kind of, actually, there was one time he did not support it, and that was, we were, you know, every year in January, um, we ride the Coast Ride, which is a grassroots organized kind of, I guess you could call it event, but it's really just a ride from San Francisco to LA that takes place over four, the course of four days. And I was approaching like 31 weeks and, uh, it's a lot of long miles and you're also out there with around 300 other cyclists kind of, you know, they're, they're not all in one group. Everybody spreads out throughout the day, but you're around, um, cyclists with whom you don't know their skill level. And sometimes there's, there's always crashes during that ride in January, the weather's kind of iffy. And so, um, it was painful for me to think about not doing that ride just because it's such a highlight of our mm-hmm. the start of our year. But, but, um, even when we started discussing it, Ted was, Ted said, Hey, I'm really not comfortable. Mostly I'm not comfortable due to the other cyclists that are out on the road. Um, and you know, this, this is like one, one time where I want to say, I don't want you to do this. I totally respected that. Um, he wasn't one to often tell me what to do. So I knew (laughs) that was, that was advice I should probably heed. And, and I actually, I felt the same, I felt the same way. I knew, I knew it wasn't a good idea. Um, it was just a hard decision because I, I have a terrible case of FOMO at times. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so. I think we can all really relate to that right now. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. <FOMO. laughs> yeah. And we should mention your husband is Ted King, who was a professional cyclist and has won a lot of gravel races. So <laughs> yes. not just like the guy in the bike shorts. Yes. So in that regard, I think um, I often would say to him, what would you do in my situation? Because I think he probably would have done exactly the same thing. Um, I think you, you know, we both view cycling as, um, it's not just our exercise, but it, it fulfills so many different spaces in our life that I think he, he could understand why it was so important to me. So post Hazel, What's your race schedule look like for 2020? You know, I know we're kind of in a different situation right now, but what, what are you thinking? Oh man. Yeah. Everything seems so up in the air. Um, well, originally, uh, Ted and I kind of put together a schedule in which there, he would have a focus where we would participate together in many events as we always do. Um, some of them, the folk, his, the focus would be on his performance. Some of them, the focus would be on mine and then a few in which we'd support each other. So, um, dirty Kansas has always been one that I enjoy being there to support him. Um, so that is hopefully, um, going to still be the case this year, but, um, I was, we're kind of, we're still kind of deciding, I mean, the Leadville and Steamboat double in in our best case scenario, I would love to do Leadville and um, then be able to support him at Steamboat the next day. We're just trying to, that's a little bit of a logistical challenge. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, but a lot of it, you know, I'm just, I'm just eager to 
be back at events and be able to participate and not in a pregnant state <laughs> just feels good to ride and uh, be feeling more back to normal um, and kind of just see how it goes. I mean, I wouldn't say, I'd say our, our goals are in flux right now as we just, everything's changing every day. Yeah, I think we're all experiencing a little bit of that. You had talked about, um, as you were talking through your pregnancy, like the fear of losing your identity of self. And I do think a lot of women relate to that, especially as we're having children older and we've had more experiences in life before having children. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how you processed through that? Even did that have any bearing in the timing of your decision to have Hazel or, you know, what were some of the emotions that you kind of dealt with there? Um, I don't think that that had any, any bearing on, um, our timing to have Hazel. I mean, I'm just turned 37 and, um, Ted is also 37. So it was more our age that was a factor in (laughs) needing to, uh, decide whether we were going to have kids or not. But, um, uh, I'm trying to decide how to answer that. I, you know, one thing that Ted said to me over the course of the months as I was pregnant was, I think he, it, I, I would often voice my anxieties about the future. Um, examples would be, you know, Ted earns a very direct living from participating in races or events. Um, it's something that has equally always been a part of my life and is more, has more indirectly, um, influenced my career. I mean, I've, I've worked in the outdoor bike industry for over a decade. Uh, much of that, much of the opportunities that I've had in my career have come because of my athletic, the, you know, my athletic endeavors have definitely complemented um, and helped pave a path for me in my career, but it's harder to directly relate the two. Um, and so some of my fears were, will I still get to have this be an important component of my life when obviously Ted's races and um, endeavors like kind of have to take priority or it felt that way. Um, and, you know, at one point when I'm, I think there's all kinds of fears. There's that, there's that fear. There's fears about what your, how your body's going to come back, um, whether it will come back, um, how labor is going to, was, is going to go. I mean, there's just, I, I could name off new anxieties every day. Um, but one of the things Ted said to me kind of midway through pregnancy was like, are you even excited to be a mom? I mean, I just hear, I hear all your, all of your concerns and worries and it doesn't, you know, he, what, he wasn't certain that I was actually excited about it all. And I think that's, I, I think that the fears can so often, I mean, those are the, when when you are, are expressing your fears, it's because those are at the forefront of your mind and you need to have someone affirm and, um, you know, tell you that, help assuage them like this is how we're going to work through this or you know I hear you I hear that this is a concern of yours but here's how I think it will 
look different or how we can um, how we can somehow work through what you what your worst case scenario is. Um, so we had a lot of conversations uh, in that regard, just um, him understanding that I was I needed to I needed to voice all my concerns and it had nothing to do with the fact I wasn't excited to be a mom. It was just that I needed um, to communicate about how I was going to still be able to maintain my identity and how we could carve out space for that. And um, he certainly understood that. And now being on the other side of it, um, I mean, I, I, none of my fears were really founded. So um, <laughs> as, well, as they often aren't. <laughs> you know, you- that's, I mean, that's what you're lucky in having a partner that's letting you, you know, go through that whole process. And and I think, I think the other thing that happens too is in your concern of losing your identity, you really understand that your identity also shifts. Yes. Uh, that Hazel is part of your identity now. Um, and you get this opportunity to, you know, influence and create what her world looks like. Um and that responsibility, you know, once once she's in your arms and she's out of your body, it's it's crazy the the way your mind shifts and you're like, oh yeah, I can do this. This is this gives me new purpose and new meaning. And you know, you're you you're strong. Your identity is going to stay intact, but it's going to shift because of the importance of Hazel now. Yeah, absolutely. And it it's crazy just driving home from the hospital. The first thing I said to Ted was like, I feel like something was missing and now that she's here it it feels like our life already feels more full it's um it's crazy how quickly that happens and just what an awesome feeling that is um I also really love to have a full plate and have a lot of Mm -hmm. responsibilities and things to do so um I kind of yeah I welcome the the new responsibility and uh, it's been a lot of fun so far that's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. great. I appreciate you sharing that because I think I don't have children, but I've a lot of my friends who have had children kind of in that same age range as you, I think have felt a lot of that and it hasn't felt safe to express that because it's not the norm of society <laughs> to say, I don't know if I'm, you know, I have all these fears and I'm, I'm going to lose myself. So I really appreciate you talking about that. You know, on that note, I guess I've become a little bit more bold in what I have shared and mm-hmm. um, talking about my experience because of, I mean, social media, you know, as as terrible as sometimes it can be, it's also really wonderful in that so many, it's brought a lot of people um, to private message me and, and to tell me that they're going through the same experience and that they're having this same concerns and fears and that me sharing my experiences help them give them uh assurance that that maybe they're going to be able to do the same thing maybe they're going to be able to keep running or riding their bike or um whatever it might look like and um so that's been really encouraging to me and just also uh you know as we're I say we're not really social distancing at the moment we're physically distancing but we more than ever need the social side of things. We need to continue to find community wherever we can. And that's been one area where um, I felt a new community growing in 
sharing things about pregnancy and motherhood, a community that I wasn't um, a part of. Well, until your, now. Um, pelvic floor exercise videos. Um, yeah. You know, of course, I had I had my kids almost twenty three years ago, so uh, that like I didn't have that information or that access. And um, like I, when I saw you doing those, I was like, oh, thank God women need to know that you should be doing those exercises after you have a baby. So, so thank you for sharing that, even though it didn't benefit me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, be, I, in posting, <laughs> I posted a time-lapse, so you couldn't exactly see all the exercises I was doing, but that, uh, I got a lot of messages of people asking if I could detail out what those exercises were. And then other, um, person mm -hmm. reached out saying, you know, at this time I can't even go visit a, I'm four months pregnant. I'm having pelvic pain. I can't go visit a physical therapist right now. So, um, I think during this time we also, I've, I've felt that I have a little bit more space to be creative and, um, that kind of sparked like, Oh, you know, I can go put together some actual like instructional videos with, all the tips that my PT gave to me and maybe that will be helpful for someone else. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> I guess a lot of the feedback that I get is helpful for kind of spurring on more ideas of what I could share and, um, what people are eager to hear about. That's awesome. Well, speaking of someone that likes to be busy, so you also are, um, the race director, one of the race directors uh, for uh, Rude in Vermont. So tell us a little bit more about that event and then kind of your role in that. Sure. So uh, my husband, Ted, and I, we met in California and uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more now, um, for a number of reasons, decided to move to Vermont. It was not a decision <laughs> we made easily or quickly. Um Ted is originally from New England, loves all things New England. His family is in New Hampshire, so that was a draw. And then he also co-founded Untapped um, Maple Sports Nutrition. So it's a maple syrup-based sports nutrition line of products. And his business partners and the company is um, here in just outside of Richmond, Vermont, where we live. So all those things were factors in drawing us um, to the Northeast, but it was, it was a tough decision. Cause I was, I definitely had great community in California and Northern, we were just, uh, in Marin County, North of San Francisco, um, had been there around seven years and love the sunshine, love the temperate climate, uh, love the, the riding terrain. We had Mount Tam in our backyard. So it was, um, it took a long time for him to convince me, but he finally did. And, uh, we made our way to Vermont and it was, it's that this is another experience of talk about having a lot of fears and having them not necessarily come to fruition. Um, because moving was a big one for me and I envisioned living in a state where I, I presumed most people were, um, it was an older, older population where I wouldn't have, uh, a strong cycling community anymore, let alone, especially a strong female cycling community. Um, and I just envisioned a, a lonely life in this rural area and 
that was, yeah, that was a huge component of, of my fear around moving. So all that, I would say my experience was almost completely opposite. I very quickly, both Ted and I, we met an amazing community. Um, we live in a town of 4,000, uh, but we're just outside of Burlington, which is the more kind of city, I guess, if you can call it a city, a town in Vermont. Um, you know, we, even just from the day we moved into our house, we had neighbors bringing over housewarming gifts, inviting us over, um, friends stopping by, offering to help us move in. And we were just really, I'd say, overwhelmed by the the thoughtfulness of the people in our community. And um, we also really just, I mean, we immediately noticed that the pace of life here is a little slower. And I think that was for two people that are type A, very, you know, action packed. We travel a ton. Um, Our life is (laughs) just full speed ahead all the time. It's been really good for us. It's a every time we return home, you just, it's like taking a deep breath. Everything feels, I mean, I look out our backyard, we have 10 and a half acres and it's just like the most peaceful place. I, I, I look outside and I feel like I'm on vacation every day. We have this like pond and two barns and kind of exactly what you would picture, picture living, um, in Vermont. So it's been, it's been really awesome. But with that, um, you know, we started exploring the terrain around Vermont, which is stunning. And we have more dirt roads than paved here in the state. And we just suddenly started getting a bunch of um, inquiries on social media or friends asking, um, you know, are you guys going to put on some sort of gravel event in in this new state after seeing all the, the great gravel roads that we have? And so that that kind of planted the seed. And every time we would hear someone else ask, we would kind of, it would, it would become a little, um, stronger of an idea in our minds. But, uh, coincidentally at that time, I also decided to leave my job. And so we were really at, it was a time period in which we were figuring out what's next. And we knew that if we were going to put on an event, um, it was going to be something that wasn't really a, it wasn't just a side project for us. It was going to be, you know, all or nothing. So, um, we made the decision that we wanted to put on a gravel event and, you know, the name rooted came from the fact that we just felt so rooted in the community so quickly, um, and how meaningful it had become to us. Um, so we, let's see, we launched in around, January of, uh, 2019. And, um, we sold out for the inaugural year and we had almost too perfect of a day. It's like, they say, you know, you got to plan when you plan an event, it's kind of like planning a wedding. Like you expect something will go wrong. And all day I kept waiting for whatever that might be. And I don't know, it, we just, we got kind of lucky. The weather was, 72 and no humidity and perfect and everything. I mean, it was just, everything came together in a way that it it was so meaningful to both Ted and I, just to see this community gather and to see 
Um, even, you know, we, we were at the finish line greeting every single finisher that came over the line. And, um, when the last finisher, we have a video that kind of captures this, it will probably make you cry. But, um, when the last finisher news was that the, the announce, the announcer got on the microphone and said, Hey, the last finishers, you know, five minutes away. And the crowd just, everyone on their own went over to the, the finish and, um, created this tunnel and, uh, we, and Ted went down to the, the end of the kind of, we have a little class four road at the finish and he got behind, um, I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but he got behind her and just kind of gave her a little push and everybody was out there like roaring and cheering. And, um, she came through the line and it was just the culmination of, of everything that we want our event to be about. It's not just about, you know, we, we say we follow mullet protocol. Um, it's yes, there's room for the business at the front, but there, we also celebrate the party at the back and having everyone stay until the last finisher came through and celebrate her. Um, it couldn't have been more perfect for what we want our event to be about. So, um, yeah, we're, we're hoping that year two can continue on and, uh, that everyone is going to be, we're maybe going to be past the, the height of all this craziness. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see how things continue to, to transpire, but it's been a lot of fun. And, um, I'd be remiss if I, I am a component of putting on the race, but, um, my dear friend, Kristen is kind of my other half. She's my co-director. Ted uh, obviously, um, lends a ton to the, to the race, but he also has a lot of day-to-day jobs that consume his time. So it's mostly Kristen and myself that um, are taking on the day-to-day of putting on Rooted. And um, a cool kind of story about her is that she was the first person, a first friend I met when I moved to Vermont. She found me on, somebody notified her that a new female mountain biker had moved to Vermont. And uh, she reached out over Strava and just said, Hey, I'd love to show you the trails. Um, if you have any interest and that is how our friendship started. And I think, you know, I just, that was so meaningful to me. And it's like, if, if there could be more of that, like, I love what you guys are doing because, um, every time a woman reaches out to another woman and to, lend support or offer to teach them something or, you know, just, um, I think it just, it just strengthens women's cycling. And so it's been really awesome to have her as a partner and she's a really integral part of, um, making rooted what it is. So it's pretty special to have your good friend be in that role and get to work (laughs) with her. You know, you mentioning the thing that I think I love the most about what we've just talked about is the fact, you know, the mullet protocol is so much what gravel is about. And I love that you guys captured that. Um, and of course, um, seeing another female race director, um, join the, the ranks, um, is, you know, setting those examples are just, it's so awesome. And I'm sure she's, I'm sure she got the job because she was the right person. Um, but it's just exciting that, 
that to see you guys recognizing that and, and giving credit where credit is due. So thank you. <laughs> it's been Kudos. cool how that all kind of came together. Well, is Hazel still sleeping? <laughs> she is. This is, you know, today I just had to laugh before I got on the call with you guys because uh, we're by no means have yet, we by no means have yet perfected this whole, um, I, it's, it's still like a total juggle, right? Like yeah. I'm, I had had a call and then I'm feeding Hazel and I'm like looking at the clock or I, I just got back from a ride. She's screaming when I walked in the door. I asked Ted how long she's been screaming. She's starving. I don't, I can't even take off my kit. I have to feed her. Um, and then I'm sitting there feeding her thinking, I am so hungry. When am I going to make lunch? So Ted gets off of his call and makes me some macaroni and cheese. And I'm like stuffing my face with macaroni and cheese, trying to make sure that she's now staying asleep so I can get on this call. And then as soon as we get off this, Ted has a, virtual happy hour. So we're, awesome. we're, uh, finding, we're finding the balance and it's kind of comical sometimes and how we're, you know, he walks in the door from his ride and I hand, hand her off and head you out might, on mine. You might end up with a new Velocio design. We've got the, uh, fly bibs. There might be, <laughs> there might be a new Jersey in the works. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the nursing uh, Jersey, you just pull it down. <laughs> that would be convenient. It, I know. Right. Well, Laura, you know, thank you so much. Um, because I know how busy you are, but I also know that you are totally rising to this occasion. And I know you and Ted are living your best life and Hazel's super lucky to have you guys as parents. Um, but nonetheless, Ka um, Catherine and I totally appreciate you taking some time to, to come on here and chat with us. Um, as we're trying to kick off this, this podcast, it means a lot. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for thinking of me. It's been great chatting with you. And just real quick, Laura, before you go, uh, tell people where they can follow you on social media so they can see all of your videos. You know, I would say I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Laura Cameron King. Um, that's probably the best place to find me. And then uh, I link to, to other to social media from there. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you again for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye. Bye. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>